another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Mesenzer. Sorry I couldn't, uh, couldn't put out a podcast just tonight. It's been really hectic, and as it will continue to be in the future, I'll try to be as consistent as I can, though. But boy, did I pick a bad time to miss. A lot of things happened. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Steelers. That game, what went wrong for them there? Then we'll go to the Ravens quarterback situation coming into the Bengals game. And then how Lamar Jackson actually did what are my thoughts are about him. Can he be the quarterback for the future? Can he not? We'll then talk about Gus Edwards, his role in the Ravens' future. We will talk about the Ravens' playoffs, aspirations, and all that stuff. We'll talk about Mike Elias coming to Baltimore, as well as Sick Maydahl, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. We'll talk a little more hot stove, and much, much more, all coming up, and more. Sports with you are safe. So the Ravens coming into the game against the Steelers. This was a big game. They were going into the their bye was right after this game, and they wanted if they wanted to get have any shot at a division title, they would have to beat the Steelers. Well, it didn't go their way. Joe Flacco struggled with the ball. They weren't able to take opportunities, but the key of the game was their inability to do anything on third down. Third down killed them. They could not get off the field. Period. And when you can't get off the field against Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster, and all the weapons that Steelers team has, then you're going to lose the game. And that's what happened. It, it did come close. The Ravens' offense wasn't too bad. They were able to run it a little bit. They were able to control the ball decently well. But what it came down to was they couldn't get off the field on third down. They let the Steelers take long, time-consuming drives and salt away the game. And that was an, a huge focus coming out of the bye week to be able to do that against the Bengals and get off the field on third down. Unfortunately for the Ravens, the Bengals had just played the Saints, gotten blown out there and in the Saints game and in the Ravens game. And I want to say right now in the Bengals-Browns game, A.J. Green's not playing. So that is that was huge for the Ravens. I will talk about what they did with their coverage in a couple minutes. But... There were some issues. There was there was a report coming in on 157 The Fan by a fan that he saw Joe Flacco on crutches. It was unconfirmed. But the Ravens put him on their injury list with a right hip problem. And John Harbaugh was very unclear about who would be starting. He liked the drama. He liked having to have the Bengals prepare for three different quarterbacks, three different styles of offense. Whether it would be Joe Flacco and the Ravens' regular offense where you, the, the, the Bengals will be playing a double-high safety like they always do against Joe Flacco. Or whether you'd have an RG3 guy who can throw the ball, but you also have to respect his prowess of running the ball. Or would you go with Lamar Jackson, run a college-style offense? Maybe you try to keep him in the pocket. Maybe you'd be rolling him out. Maybe you just do... Maybe you'd just be putting... Maybe you're just having another running back in there instead of a quarterback. It, really not clear what was going to be happening. Then a couple hours before game time, John Harbaugh announced it was going to be Lamar Jackson who would be making the start for the Baltimore Ravens, and he would be doing it, well, in a very easy environment. He would be at home, so he's got the crowd behind him. Great weather conditions. He also had the fact that he was playing the 32nd-ranked defense in the NFL, and that all helped him, and, well, the Ravens, their mentality and their game plan was a brilliant one put out there by John Harbaugh, Marty Morningweg. Their first drive, I want to say, was is 10 plays. They got a touchdown on it, but here's how they did it. They did it by not throwing a pass on that first drive. They ran the ball. There were a couple of plays on that first drive, which looked like it could be a pass. 
which Lamar Jackson turned into run one was a quarterback draw, which was a designed run. And he's also rolling out to his right on a third down and two and chose to run for it instead of throw the ball. And he did get the first on that play. But he, Lamar Jackson on that first drive, he did pretty well. They just ran the ball. Alex Collins ran it in for the TD score. But after that, the running back focus, well, it changed. It changed from Lamar Jackson. Uh, from, I'm sorry, from Alex Collins to Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards tore it up. Great game, and it was actually, I was looking at the stats, Ravens had the number three and the number four rusher in the NFL that week, and Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards respectively, but the Ravens really did a good job, and what really works well with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, he's so freakishly fast, and you just saw me in the game, he was putting on bursts of speed to outrun the defenders, it was really incredible what he was doing, and... Then you had Gus Edwards, who was a very downhill runner, not as much as Alex Collins, who's more crafty. He's good out of the backfield. He was great in spring training, uh, training camp. Um, very impressive there. Barely didn't make the Ravens roster. Ravens were very lucky to get him on the practice squad. And he was coming up, making a big focus. And so far today, as I speak in the Raiders game, he's got four carries for 22 yards. But Ravens, we talked, I was said. Uh, we talked more about their third downs. They did a good job against the Bengals on third downs, and they did a really good job against Tyler Boyd, the guy. Well, if you remember him, he was the guy who told the Ravens on a fourth down and 12, nope, you're not going to the playoffs. Buffalo is. Well, it wouldn't be like that against the Bengals this time. The Ravens. They did what they did against A.J. Green, which right now the Browns are doing the same thing. They normally roll over the coverage to A.J. Green, have the free safety over there to help him out because he's just so dynamic, so good. And that really sets up Tyler Boyd. He's got a bunch of one-on-one -on -one, one -on -one matchups, a lot of room to, for him to work, and a lot of opportunity. But what ended up happening is without A.J. Green, the Ravens did the exact same thing that they did to A.J. Green. They did it to Tyler Boyd. Boyd had nothing on the day, no big plays. The Ravens were able to shut them down. Joe Mixon didn't hurt them, pretty much. They did a solid job defensively. They got off the field on third down. It did come down to the wire. A lot of fun to watch. Great game overall. And the Ravens, they went in the win column to get themselves to 500. And with the win, talking about playoff aspirations, the Ravens controlled the number six wildcard seed. And there's a term, control your own destiny. And that was is in the, that is the situation the Baltimore Ravens are in from here on out. They win the rest of the games. They're in the playoffs because right now they have the number six wildcard seed. And there's like a five or six-way tie of uh, teams who are five and five in the AFC. Re it's going to be really interesting to watch down the stretch. The Ravens are going to have to be able to win all their game, a lot of their games, I should say. They've got six games to go. They probably got to go five and one. Four and two might do it, depending on the competition. As of now, as I am speaking, the Bengals, who are another five and five team, they're losing to the Browns, twenty-one to nothing. Might be more by now. As the Browns, they were just driving a couple minutes ago, right before I started this. And what's going to come down to in this playoff race is who can beat the teams that are good. And I know the number one wildcard seed is the Chargers. The Chargers coming into today. Well, let's talk about some of the best two teams. Their record is 7-3. One of the best teams they beat all year are the Seattle Seahawks. That's not saying a lot. 
They lost to the Broncos. They can't beat good teams. They've been beating up on bad teams, not been playing good teams and winning. And that's going to be huge for the Ravens because the Ravens are playing the Chargers in week, on week seven, 16. And the winner of that could very well have the number one wildcard seed, depending on how well the Chargers do over the next couple of weeks. The Ravens are going to have to win, and coming into today's game against the Raiders, Mar Jackson, he was starting again, again against a weak defense, another home crowd. They needed this win, and if they lose this game, I would say they're probably out of the playoffs. I mean, not it's not official, obviously, because they could win the rest of their games, like, as like I said, go 5-1, and one, but they're playing some pretty tough teams. Next week, they're going to Atlanta. After that, KC. After that. We're going to be going home to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road to the Chargers and at home in the season finale to play Baker Mayfield and the Browns. It's going to be tough. It's doable. This is a team that can go far in the playoffs if they get in there. Right now, they're matched up to play the New England Patriots in Foxborough. We all know how well Joe Flacco does in that environment in the playoffs. He's one, He has a ridiculous amount of wins in Foxborough, too. That's, I believe, tied for most all-time, along with Peyton Manning. Not sure about that for sure. Um, it could be that Peyton's got two total ones against Brady in the playoffs, as does Eli Manning. So Flacco has done well against the Patriots in the playoffs in January in Foxborough. It could come down to that again. We'll see. The Orioles, they made the big news this week in Baltimore, though, really the last, last week and a half. All the reports were the Orioles would sign Mike Elias, the Astros' assistant general manager, and they did a Elias. He's been he's I want to say thirty seven. He's been in this business for twelve years. He was with the Cardinals, with the Astros. He did scouting there. He did some signings. He did some international stuff. And the Orioles on Wednesday they got Sig Megdal or Megdal, depending on how you pronounce it. It's a good combo. Those guys together, they really had everything that the Orioles needed. Sig, uh, Sig was also from the Astros. The Orioles needed a couple things, a general manager and front office. They needed someone who had just come from a rebuilding franchise, someone who had done a lot of international stuff, someone who had done a lot of statistics and analytics. And Sig, Sig Maida was that guy for the Astros, the analytics guy. And really, it's just a great combo for the Orioles. It's exactly what they need. All their weaknesses taken care of in that those two signings. Now they've got to get a manager, figure out who will be leading the team in the clubhouse, figure out their rosters for next year, figure out what they're going to be doing with all their guys in the minor league system. They need to be signing guys. What are they doing in their draft? Remember, they do have the number one overall draft pick. Um, are they, what are they doing with the rest of the international Money. They've got a lot of decisions to make. It's not done yet, but good job for the Orioles in making the right decision to get Elias and Medal. And on hot stove baseball, everyone likes to look at there. There's been a lot of rumors, but one thing that did happen that was big: James Paxton got traded to from the Mariners to the Yankees for a good prospect. And some other guys, all in the minor league systems. And what this says to me is the Yankees know we're going after a big guy. Manny, Corbin, Harper. There are a lot of big name free agencies. This is arguably one of the best free agent class we'll see in a long time. 
I mean, there's some really, arguably the most talented players, top two or three guys out of five are in this class. And the Yankees, well, they wanted to get some guys, but they also needed help in the rotation. So what do they do? Well, you're only going to have so much money to spend. Because, I mean, they've been rumored with Corbin, with Hatch, there's a lot of guys. Keiko, a lot of guys, maybe even Corey Kluber. But they traded for James Paxton, which says to me, we're going out, we're signing a big-name player, a Manny, a Harper, to go and set our team up for a championship. And thinking over who's better for the Yankees, Manny or Harper, there was a picture of Manny Machado in a Yankee uniform, and Manny Machado liked that picture. Uh, and he was told to take it down, take down his like, but that's interesting. And Bryce Harper, he had three goals. We're talking to the media when he was 16. Playing pinstripes, be the greatest of all time and playing Yankee Stadium. And whether the playing game pinstripes is still relevant now, I think it is. He's in a, He really can choose where he wants to go. He's been rumored with Philly, with Atlanta, with New York. And he will be able to choose where he wants to go in the end. So it's been racing. A lot of things have been racing. I'll be racing to get another podcast out as soon as I can. Hope you listen to it. I hope you enjoyed this one. Because thank you for listening to this edition. Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Macinter. I'll see you next time.